So hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The reading is from Mark chapter 6, verses 14 to 29. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah, and others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Loving God, may you open our hearts to your word for us this morning uh, and your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story of the beheading of John the Baptist is one of the most famous stories in the New Testament and you can see lots of sort of Renaissance paintings depicting this moment. Shocking but also bizarre and seemingly out of the blue, almost like the moment in a film where one of the characters that you like, uh, one of the protagonists, um, who seems to be like they're going to be in it till the end, is suddenly dispatched. And often in the film, it's enough to draw us in further to make sure that our affections are not divided between this person and the one who is really the centre of the story. Up to this point, we know John the Baptist from chapter 1 in Mark, 
where he erupts into the story as the one proclaiming that he is making the way for the Messiah. He is the last of the prophets in the mold of Isaiah and Jeremiah, reconnecting the people of his day with their story, with their history. So they will recognize John. They will understand what he's about. They know his type. He then baptizes Jesus and continues to have his disciples. And the last we hear of him in Mark before this incident is when his disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are pitched against Jesus' disciples in whether it is right to fast. John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, and Jesus's don't. And the people question Jesus on this matter. That's back in chapter 2. Then John disappears, only to reappear for his untimely demise in chapter 6. So I think there's something here where Mark, in his typically immediate and shocking way, is closing off the John the Baptist story for us. Just to make absolutely sure that we are not distracted by anyone else who might command our attention. What happened to that guy? I really liked him. When's he going to come back? Mark doesn't even allow John to be the central character in his own death. John is simply in prison, and we don't hear his voice except for that moment in chapter 1. So this seems to be about getting rid of John the Baptist from the landscape, reminding us um, about who the central character is but also reminding us about the Herods and their capricious and cruel reigns. They, as well as the religious leaders, are part of the problem. Beholden to Rome, the Herods were put in charge to keep the locals in order. This is Herod Antipas. His father, Herod the Great, was the Herod of the Nativity, This Herod, Antipas, is the Herod of the crucifixion. So Herod Antipas is entering stage left in Mark's gospel. The villain has arrived. Boo, hiss. And we see the danger. The story is in fact a past story. John is already dead. The story is told to explain why Herod is getting twitchy about Jesus. It's introduced because Herod has heard about Jesus and he's worried that it is John the Baptist back from the dead. So Mark thinks he needs to explain that John the Baptist is dead. It's less about John the Baptist and more that we are being forewarned that the odd and capricious manner in which John is killed is going to come to bear in Jesus' story too. Herod is about his own status. Although he doesn't want to murder John, losing face is worse. 
And he isn't going to get into that position again. And then Herod disappears from the story too, where we know about Jesus, uh, about his intervention in Jesus' crucifixion is from Luke's gospel. We know nothing about it in Mark's. This strange interjection into the gospel maybe stops us from saying as we read the story on during the scenes leading up to the crucifixion, what about Herod? Surely he should be involved in this. But we do know from Luke's gospel that he hasn't changed any between this story and the crucifixion. He mocks Jesus after hoping that he'll perform some kind of magic trick for him. He's still a narcissistic toddler, but this time he knows where to stop and he sends Jesus back to Pilate for him to do the dirty deed. Like I say, we don't know this from Mark's gospel, but we do know from Mark's gospel that Herod is probably a little twitchy about getting his hands dirty again. It's Pilate who finds himself condemning Jesus to death against his will and in order to satisfy a crowd. So I guess the question for us today is whether we accept our own dirty hands. Where are we in the story of Jesus? How would we have been written into this narrative? Because it is the owning of our own part in Jesus' story, in Jesus' death, in the owning our own desire to deny our part in it, in the owning our own desire to wash our hands of it, in our owning of our own desire to send it to someone else's door. It's only in the owning of those things that we begin or continue our own journey of salvation, redemption, and rebirth as the children of God. Amen.